This is Valley Views, our weekly conversation with influential and interesting folks from around the Wet Mountain Valley. Today on Valley Views, we're visiting with Dave Tonzing, who's the fire chief of the Wet Mountain Fire Protection District. He's been in the Valley for 40 years. He's been a firefighter for 19 of those years, and he's been fire chief for the last four years. Dave, welcome to the program. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. So you've been a firefighter for almost 20 years. What's new in the firefighting world over the last few years, would you say? Well, the biggest thing or the biggest thing that has affected change in fire service is over the last six or eight or ten years there's been much more concern about firefighter safety and line of duty deaths there were like 70 firefighters in the united states that died last year so there's a huge push by our insurance company and by our fire department to try to make it safer for firefighters to fight fires and we do that in a lot of different ways but the other issue that has changed dramatically over the last eight years approximately is uh, is the ability for our taxpayers to get insurance on their homes whether they're building a new home or they're trying to reinsure the home that they have so over the last five or ten years there seems like there's a lot more wildfires in the news is, no, that, no, is that true that's that's true because because we're going through a drying period um, in the western united states especially and if you just look at the the california fires this year that'll have a direct impact on our taxpayers in our district as the colorado fires that raged oh, about eight years ago is when it really all started in colorado with a very severe drought that's when our fire department changed probably the most dramatically hmm. Now, you're basically an all-volunteer organization, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. There are 30 of us. Oh, that's a a big number. And you also have, as anyone who's been to one of the parades knows, uh, you have a lot of equipment also. Well, we do. We're very lucky for a small department. Over the years, the board has very carefully purchased equipment that makes very efficient as it relates to wildland fires. We have some really top-of-the-line brush trucks that are used in wildland. We now have a brand-new structure truck that a lot of departments would be very envious of. How many vehicles does the department have currently? We have actually 17 if you uh, count the command vehicle. Um, there are actually 16 firefighting apparatus with a couple of all-terrain vehicles that carry water. Now, you mentioned safety of, of your personnel I mentioned there's a fair amount of training involved. Yes, there is. You know, uh, we we have a very minimum of 36 hours annual training that firefighters have to meet. and But some firefighters run to 150 to 200 hours of training a year because they have the time and, and the interest. But uh, the training is all part of our certification program, yes. You mentioned insurance. A lot of folks out there in radio land would be interested in that. Uh, how have folks' uh, insurance changed over the last few years, and what are you doing uh, to try to help that? Well, insurance has become probably the second major driving force of our fire department because all of our taxpayers own property, and most generally a structure is on that property, whether it's commercial in the downtown areas or whether it's in the outlying area of of the district and the ability eight or ten years ago to get insurance wasn't even a consideration but now it has become 
a hugely important issue to people because in some cases their insurance rates go up one and two and three times or in the case of new homes they can't even get insurance at all because of the wildland fires. Are all of your vehicles located right here in town? No, about a little over half of them are located at the main station, but we have currently actually four satellite stations, three of which have Class A pumpers. And we did that about three and a half years ago to assure that the people within a five-mile road radius of each of those satellite stations, which are Deweese, Boneyard, and Rosita stations, all the taxpayers that are within a five-mile road radius would receive an ISO rating of nine. Now, ISO is the insurance services organization that gives uh, fire departments ratings all over the nation. They're the gurus, and they're the people we talk to to try to impress that we have really done our due diligence and have good equipment in the right places. Everybody that's within a five-mile road radius of those satellite stations receives the benefit of of an ISO rating of nine. That means they can get insurance. So the more of these uh, satellite spots, the better for folks in the community, not only for insurance, but should a fire break out, minutes count, I suspect. Absolutely, minutes count. We're about to put an engine in place out by the airport. We've reached an agreement with the county commissioners. We're about to uh, to put a truck that we were acquiring from uh, Denver International Airport, a used truck, that'll put an ISO rating of 9 in place, 5-mile road radius once again, in the very southernmost end of, of, of the county. Next is Hillside. We're going to work on Hillside next. We now have a truck up there, a brush truck, but we're going to begin to look for a different, higher-rated truck at a, at a point. So do you have an example from your personal point of view of a fire that started that you were able to extinguish quickly because of these satellites? Yes, and most importantly, let me address it as it relates to the main station. But it applies to all the satellites also, because anytime you have a truck in the vicinity, you're closer to the fire, minutes count, just like you said. But about two months ago, we had a span over two weeks where we had three fires. There was a a 30-acre fire out south of the airport. Four firefighters responded. We knocked that thing down remarkably, even though there were winds, because there were absolutely four fighters ready to roll at the fire station quite by accident. A couple of days later, we had a fire east of town, only a half acre burnt, but it was in a very hazardous location next to the highway. Again, quite by accident, um, we had three or four fighters. They were able to roll and get to that and get the thing knocked down before it got out of control. It was only about a mile from BLM property, and they were all alerted and concerned about it, and it could have been a very bad deal. And the third good example is about a week later, we had a room and contents fire within about a block of the fire station. And we, again, by pure luck, had three or four firefighters at the fire station doing different things, working around. We were able to respond to that room and contents within two minutes and knocked out what could have been a second-story fire in a bedroom that could have been very, very bad. You're involved with uh, fire, obviously, but also rescue. So you get called on different kinds of things. Yeah, it's called fire and rescue for a reason because uh, we're uh, when we have, as we quite often do, in, uh, vehicles that go over the uh, cliffs uh, in the Hardscrabble Canyon, uh, sometimes people are trapped. We had a couple of people trapped on a Honda that was almost vertical in a tree, and we got the people out of the car, which was difficult enough, but then we had to get them up a 45-degree slope. 
two of them to get them on helicopters, and it was nearly everything we could do to get those people out of there in a timely manner. So as a result, we're improving our high-angle rescue uh, rope system. That's one of them. And the other thing is water rescue. We have this huge body of water called Lake Deweese. We have ice rescue suits. We need to train to that, and we'll train to that. We also have now built a rescue boat with a small motor that was donated by a, a lady out of Lake Deweese, and it's completely outfitted with all the rescue gear we could use uh, with a, even a sonar device for underwater search. So we've got that up to speed, and that's ready to go, really, for the first time. Uh, what is your jurisdiction? Is it most of the west part of the county? Uh, Wetmore has their own fire group? Yeah, that's correct. Wetmore has the vicinity, the area around Wetmore proper. Even though we have a mutual aid agreement with them, uh, they come up the canyon, and we go down the canyon to about the 18-mile marker, even though it's out of our district, and I'll explain that in a minute. But there is, uh, in our district, there's about 634 square miles of responsibility, which makes us one of the biggest fire districts in the state of Colorado. That's why we're blessed to have so many good pieces of equipment and 30 people, personnel on board. One of the things we developed over the last couple of years is a a call-out guideline because there's this chunk of eastern Custer County, about 16 miles wide, that goes north and south, And it's part of Custer County, but it's not part of our district because back 30 years ago, there really wasn't anything there. Uh, There were a couple of ranches. uh, There really wasn't any concern, and it wasn't that heavily traveled. However, it's become a real haven for motorcyclists and, and motorists because it's such a beautiful stretch. I think it's State Highway 165. But my board began to be concerned when... There were so many incidents and call-outs to that area, and we do not get any tax monies to support from that. So we came up with an idea on how to split up the uh, fire response load. Thinking about the town of Westcliff, what are the issues here? I, l- I look along Main Street. Some of the buildings are adjacent to one another. They're mostly frame. That's, that seems like it has potential for bad things to happen. Well, it does, just by the nature of the fact that most of the structures were built around the first uh, 1900s, late 1800s. There are some modern structures that are stuck in between, but still there are a lot of, I mean, fire retardant parting walls and the like weren't Mm -hmm. really even known a century ago and no one cared about it. But we're about to address that issue with the town of Westcliff. We're reaching an agreement with them to address the... uh, international fire code that they really put in place years ago. Does your department get involved with inspections, uh, getting involved on the front end? We did, especially uh, maybe 15 years ago. There was a period where it uh, it was pretty much a commonplace thing, and it sort of went away. And now, with a lot of different concerns about fuel loading and the like, the city of Westcliff came to us about three months ago and said they'd like to revisit this thing because they had adopted the International Fire Code, so they asked us to come up with a simple system of inspection, uh, commercial structures, and and since we didn't budget for it, we thought that there would be an hourly rate of roughly $20 an hour. We have a certified fire inspector, and uh, it's not very intrusive, but it could be hugely beneficial to the, the businesses, and it's all about life safety because these are commercial structures, and it's different from your home because in a commercial structure, you invite the public in, whether it's a restaurant or a retail shop. When there are people in your commercial structure, they are at risk. The fire department is critical 
to a little town like this. You probably wouldn't be able to be here without without such, I would suspect. And every year in the Spirit Campaign, your fire district is uh, among the top in terms of getting donations and that sort of thing. So that's kind of a vote from the community that this is critical to all of us. We have been really blessed that the public has chosen, beyond their, the tax monies that they give us, to donate roughly $25,000 on average. And, and that money's well spent. I mean, this year it will go to, again, continue to outfit our rescue boat uh, and, and to get those high-level uh, or low-angle rescue rope systems that we had talked about. That will probably help us to some degree put together a program for this fire inspection system that we're about to put in place for uh, the commercial area of, of Westcliff. But there's always a lot of different ways to, to spend money in the fire service. I mean, things are very, very expensive. Do you have a wish list if uh, some windfall came in unexpectedly? Yeah, well, that's easy. We always have, there are a lot of places we can, we can find to spend money. One of which might be to continue to support what we now have called a shift system, that we, we pay two firefighters to be on shift and within 10 minutes of the station, and they get $50 whether they sh- have to respond to a fire or not. So there's a good incentive there. And they get a little bit of money every month, for, depending on the number of shifts that they respond to. But that money would help us continue to fund that program, which has been extremely successful, because we cover about 60% of the potential time slots every day. So that means we have a couple of firefighters on call for a really minimal amount of expense. Mm-hmm. Up front, you mentioned you had about 30 volunteers. Can you use more firefighters if there's folks out in Radio Land who might be interested? Yes, yes, we can. And right now, I will say that we have six stellar candidates that have just turned in applications, but we're always looking for good people. Your core group gets older, all of us get older, but it's good to bring in fresh people with fresh enthusiasm. Right now, it seems to be working pretty well, but we're always looking for good candidates. And I'm telling you, there are about there's a shortage of roughly 4,500 firefighters in the state of Colorado right now. This is not particular in our community. It's hard to find people who will do this kind of work. What makes a good firefighter? You got to have some reasonable amount of health, okay, and you have to have some a reasonable amount of agility. Our, our applications state that you can be 18 to 100 years old. Well, <laughs> practically speaking, you know, you hope that people are more middle-aged. With that comes a, a level of maturity and ability to make decisions. We like people that can actually get physically involved. Uh, even older people can get involved because they can run pumpers. But you still have to go through 36 hours of training every year and do a certain number of job performance requirements called JPRs. you got to be able to know how to do certain things to keep yourself safe and keep your fellow firefighters safe. As we run out of time here, uh, what have we missed? Any, anything that is left unsaid? No, you know, i I, I got to tell you, and this is a good chance to shout out these people, not by name, because if you mention one, you got to mention all 30, and that's impossible to do. But i got to tell you, uh, on a number of occasions, and I've told the crew this at different meetings, well, this is a very prideful point to me. I've stood back as things begin to settle down and the smoke settles down and the dust settles and the people are maybe from a car wreck or already packaged and headed out on helicopters. I stop and look at these people, and it's a remarkable cross-section of a community. I mean, we have a nurses, we have nurses, we have carpenters, we have masons, we have landlord or landlord owners, we have developers and builders. We have all different kinds of people who show up 
volunteer their time and put themselves in harm's way, which is really a remarkable thing. Because I'm telling you, out of we had 215 calls this year, up from about 123, three, four years ago. And there's never a call that isn't potentially dangerous because it could be simply a smoke investigation, which could not turn out to be a major fire. Or it could be something as simple as a propane investigation. But every propane investigation is a potential bomb. So it has always been amazing to me all across the country that people volunteer to do this stuff. It's uh, pretty remarkable, actually. And I'm telling you, I am a, a deeply appreciative to the people of, that have signed up to do this job for this community. And I know the community is very appreciative of that as well. I would say the same thing on, on behalf of the community. Thanks to you and all of the folks for uh, keeping us all safe. It's a huge thing. And thanks for stopping by today. No, it's been my pleasure. Thank you, Gary. We've been visiting with Dave Tonzig, the fire chief of the Wet Mountain Fire Protection District right here in Westcliff, Colorado. We'll see you next time on Valley Views. You've been listening to Valley Views on KLZR 91.7 FM. Valley Views airs Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 a.m. and 4 p.m. and again on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Send your ideas and comments to comments at klzr.org. Valley Views is produced by the volunteers of KLZR 91.7 FM. I'm walking on a rainbow with my feet on solid ground. 